Sorry about that, uh, listeners. We had a little technical difficulties, uh, I guess. Some some smart guy possibly exploiting VNC in my machine. I got home from work today, and my theme was changed on my computer. And I was like, that's weird. Didn't think anything of it. And then just now, while we're doing the show, I see someone minimize my screen go into properties and change my theme again. And I'm like, whoa. And so, yeah, sorry about that. I think I got it taken care of. Please. Wednesday, October 9th, 2013. This is episode 73 of Yats. Every Wednesday evening, right here, live, yetanothertechshow.com. Check it out. I'm Matt Lee. Joining me this evening, we got Larry Press. How you doing, Larry? Hi, guys. We got Mike Rothman. What's going on, Mike? Hey, Matt. Hey, everyone. I'm good. Great to be here. Good to have you, man. We got Nick Carroll joining us from AOTA. What's up, Nick? Hey, guys. Glad to be back. Good to have you for sure. Uh, let's start things off. Uh, Aunt Pruitt may be joining us a little tardy. We'll see. Dealing with some auditors. <laughs> Always fun. So uh, last week we were talking about how I went into a Verizon store. <laughs> Always always a fun experience. Always, you know, customer service number one, right? Number two. Okay. Uh what happened was I had an upgrade, of course, and you listened to Attack of the Androids in last week's Yats if you want to get caught up. But basically, to summarize, uh, I had an upgrade, have a, a an unlimited plan grandfathered in using the old Galaxy Nexus on Verizon. So, you know, a couple years old. Wanted the Moto X Whoops, right here. Loving this phone. Um Almost, the lady had me almost convinced, like, you know, you don't use all your data anyway, so just go ahead and and get rid of that unlimited plan. It's fine. And I almost did it, and right at the very last minute, my girlfriend got an S4, and she was ringing it up, and I I put my foot down, and I said, you know what? I'm going to wait. I was so proud of myself, because usually, not a very good waiter, if you know what I mean. Not at all. And something in the back of my head was like, you know there's a way to keep your unlimited plan and get the new device. You just can't do it at this store. So what ended up happening is Verizon corporate stores cannot do what I needed to be done in order to retain my unlimited plan. You have to go to one of the satellite stores, right? The the third party or, or whatever. So I go to a computer. And if you guys want step-by-step instructions on how to do this, email the crew at yetanothertechshow.com, and I will help you walk you through it or whatever. I should probably write this up for a new domain.net or uh, Google Plus or something. Uh, but long story short, you need another line on your account that doesn't uh, – it doesn't matter if they lose data, they're unlimited or whatever. 
uh, you transfer your upgrade to that line. You purchase the new device, in, in this case, like I said, uh, Moto X, and then you go home, you call up tech support, or you can do this online, and you switch the numbers, and instantly, voila, Moto X unlimited plan. So that that's like a, a short summary. There's you got to get the IMEI number, the SIM card number, and you got to do some switching. You got to make sure both devices are off and this and that. But that's that's the gist of it. So uh, a quick review coming from the Galaxy Nexus. This phone is amazingly fast. Uh, you get used to on Android how the OS stutters and lags. So there's certain things I know that I, I have this you know muscle memory. That is telling me, okay, here's this lag. There is zero lag. Yeah. Zero lag on this device. It's I'm waiting. It's waiting for me, and now I'm used to it. And it is the most fluid Android experience I've ever had. Uh, the it, Motorola that, X four point three, isn't it? No, because it's Verizon, <laughs> and this is we'll get into that. Uh, this is running four point two point two. Or two two probably yeah. kind of blurry there, but yeah. So on Google Plus, I made a post and we were taking bets. When will the Moto X on Verizon see four point three? Um, the X eight processor may be special architecture. I haven't seen a custom ROM for this yet. On the other hand, there is no more Moto Blur. They got rid of that. So this, let's say you have the HTC One, the S Four from Samsung, and the Moto X. This is the cleanest Android experience out of the three. Uh, yeah, one other thing I wanted to mention is mm-hmm. like there's the three Droid lines, uh, the, the three right. Droid yep. phones, the Droid like Mini or the Droid Ultra and the Droid Max. They have the exact same hardware, right. everything except for a slightly larger display, but everything else is the same except for maybe even the radios, but everything else is the same. So I think with four phones with exactly the same architecture, you may have an increased chance of getting updates from Motorola one way or the other. So, hopefully, I mean, and this is a huge, a huge hopefully. Um, but like we were talking about on the show uh, on AOTA, you know, you have this Google Play Services framework, and so now you're seeing even if you're not getting a major version upgrade, you're still getting all of the important changes. Because Google, you know, they, they put that all into the, the services. So that that's helpful, definitely. There was something on Google Plus I saw. Do you remember that, uh, Nick, the tweet to Verizon Wireless tech support on Google Plus? Uh, this kid was basically, oh, yeah. he was asking when his Galaxy Nexus was going to get 4.3. Because 4.4, you know, it's uh, it's right around the corner. So, uh, here, let me find it here. It's Be patient, kid. Be patient. It is so brilliant, though, the way the kid, like, completely took advantage of the Verizon Twitter bot, which, yeah. I is this a real person, Nick, or is it it's a bot, right? It could be a real person, but I, I, I'm leaning no on that, to be we're, honest. We're leaning towards uh, towards probably not. So this is so great. It says, Android 4.4 is coming by the end of October. Will my Galaxy Nexus get 4.3 by then? And Verizon support says, let's keep, let's keep your phone running smooth. 
I don't have any info, but you can visit this link for updates. Are you having issues? And uh, the kid's name is Tim Jarvis. He says, yes, I have an issue. My Nexus software is out of date and needs an update to 4.3. Verizon comes back and says, like a pillow, we're here to support you. Are you able to make and receive calls? Is, <laughs> is the internet slash web working properly? Which is the internet or... So my web is working, but my internet's not. Like, is that... Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, he says, yes, the phone works properly. However, it is a Nexus device and should have the latest version of Android, which it does not. Verizon support comes back and says, Woohoo! Thanks for keeping us posted. I'm glad to see that your device is working properly. You rock. And so, in closing, Tim Jarvis says, Woohoo! You ignorant goose penis. My Nexus is still in need of an update to 4.3 and soon we'll need 4.4. But no, Verizon sucks. You ignorant goose penis. <laughs> yeah, that's new. I just that's, love that. That's and of course, Jeff Jarvis was the one that reposted this onto Google Plus, which is where I saw it. Because as we all know, he was having a F of a time trying to get yeah. his Nexus 7 with LTE hooked up on Verizon. So everyone just not really feeling the Verizon love, uh, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Hey, though, Matt, it yes. sounds to me like your girlfriend saved you from uh, uh, a, uh, uh, a precipitous decision there. You, you need to do something good for her now. Oh, yeah. she's uh, She's got an S4, and it was interesting. We, we kind of talked about this on, on the last, yeah, it's like watching a, a normal non-tech nerd buy a phone and what they base it on and, and the, the questions that you ask the store employees, and they're giving you completely wrong answers back, but majority of people don't realize that. So when I asked or when, when Kelsey asks, hey, is this running the latest version of Android, and they say yes, and you get home and it's 421, that's not the latest. But, of course, are most people going to care about that? Probably not. So No. You're also assuming the kid in the store is lying. He doesn't know. Well, and that's the other thing, right? Like, this is passion for us. For them, it's a 9-to-5 day job. So I, I completely understand that. But you think we could outsource Attack of the Androids to Verizon and we could help them teach people? Because it, it would be in their best interest not to have a bunch of rogue, malware-infested apps clogging up their LTE network. Because, as we all know, there's only a certain amount of bits, you guys. We gotta ration these bits. We gotta ration the bits, Otherwise, you run out. And what happens when, let me ask you, what happens when we run out of bits? You are, you are out of luck. That's not a world I want to live in, you guys. That is not a world I want to live in. Matt, is this the phone that is listening to you all the time? Okay, Google Now. Good evening, Matt. <laughs> yes, wow. it is. And wow. I, I, that, that's, that's better than the, than the support, support robot that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mentioned this on, uh, on AOTA, but uh, it knows when I get back into my truck because I, I deliver water for a living, so I'm in and out of my truck all day. 
I don't know if it hears the door shut or sees me. I don't know. But every time I hop in, it kicks on its active notifications and I can hit play because I'm listening to podcasts. Uh, I'll tell you, active notifications is brilliant. It is so much better than the notification light. It is. I I don't even know. It's the best implementation of a a new way to kind of show you notifications without lighting up the whole screen and draining battery. It's really a notification screen instead of like a notification light. Exactly. And you can can hold down on it and it will show you a quick, you know, excerpt of of what your notification is. So you can see if you want to take care of it now or uh, later. It's really smart. It is. Mike. Everyone that I have read about that has gotten the Moto X is completely in love with it, and yeah. I'm I'm no different. I love this device, and not being able, I haven't rooted it, haven't rommed it. Obviously, <laughs> there's no ROMs yet. I haven't felt the need to. Yeah, and the notification screen comes practically for free because you have the contextual awareness chip, the yeah. mobile processor, and that and makes such a huge difference. I don't know if it's the extra gig of RAM. Uh, from the GNX going to this and the processor, but man, they have it figured out. This is the smoothest Android experience I've ever had. So, well, I know Russell Holly from Geek.com. He uh, ran a test with like just a regular phone. I don't remember if it was like like an ACC one or some other uh, smartphone, but Android smartphone. But a, it had an IPS display instead of a AMOLED display, and b, you know, it didn't have like the X8 architecture with like the motion coprocessing or you know, whatever for the notifi- notification screen. So, like, he would run that all the time, and within a, just a few hours, the phone would run dry, whereas, you know, the Moto X would run for many hours more. Oh, yeah. Because all that's offloaded into these two uh, separate processors. So, And the other thing, uh, no SD card slot, obviously. Verizon only had the 16-gig version. My GeneX was 32 gigs, so I was looking in the storage uh, and seeing how <laughs> what I was going to have to cut down. Uh, so, so far, so good. I, I went easy on the games. I, I'm just going to game on my tablet now, except for Gyro, and uh, easier on what I cached for my music and stuff. But so far, I have like uh, four gigs left. So, yeah, uh, no buyer's remorse. This is definitely the phone. And uh, the other reason I went with it, the, the S4 is big. The HTC One, also fairly large. Uh, when you have a Galaxy Nexus, you get used to this. It's very slight, but it's curved, and it fits your leg. If you've been using a curved phone and you go to a non-curved phone like HTC One or the S4, it feels like a brick in your pocket. That little bit of curve, it makes a massive difference. And so this was the closest form factor to the GeneX uh, that I could find, and the size is just it's perfect for sure. So... Overall, yeah. thumbs up, Moto X, man. You guys, you guys nailed it. Absolutely. If you're so in love with it, is this gonna piss off? Samsung? Why don't I marry it? <laughs> what? No, no. What is is Google gonna alienate uh, their other manufacturers by doing things like this, making good phones? Making. <laughs> well, Larry, I would hope that it would cause the rest of the market to follow suit and also make good phones. I don't know. What do you think, Mike? You know, I think um, 
I think Samson is going to take it as a competitive challenge and try to step up their game. They're going, they're, they're going after a lot of uh, features unique to their platform, and I think that's going to continue to be their strategy. Well, and look what they, they're doing. They're going to try to evolve their version of Android into something totally different. Ugh, please don't. Please don't. But look what they're doing with the Note 3 and the watch, right? Like, you can only, yeah. as far as I understand, you can only use that watch with the Note 3. So, yeah, I don't know, man. It's... I don't think that matters because from what I hear, nobody's going to buy one anyhow. <laughs> That's a good point, man. Uh, watch. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Also, and yeah, if you guys have any questions, like I said, with keeping your unlimited plan and uh, getting a new device, definitely email the crew at yetanothertechshow.com or show at attackoftheandroids.com, either or. Uh, and we'll have we'll, one of our minions get back to you. That's right. And we'll, we'll definitely uh, help you out there. Uh, last episode, we mentioned the Silk Road bust. People were wondering, now that all of that equipment is in the hands of, of the feds, DEA, uh, what have you, are they going to continue to bust people? Was that data well encrypted? Did they maintain control over the master keys of said encryption? Uh... I don't know about the encryption, but I'm going to say no because we have eight more people that have gotten arrested because of this. So um, if you ever made a purchase on Silk Road and it wasn't for books or digital goods, you might want to watch your back because they're out there. I love the quotation from from Keith. This is from Keith Bristow, the uh, National Crime Agency's Director General, I guess this is in Canada, says in a statement, we know where you are, what you're doing, and we will catch you. It is impossible for criminals to completely erase their digital footprint. No matter how technology savvy the offender, they will always make mistakes. And do I ever know people that are going to take that as a challenge? Isn't it? That's, yeah. Yeah. I, that will also scare off a lot of people. Well, yeah, the, the, the tone is very scary. Yeah. Scare off from what, though? The site's gone, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. When well, so, like, competitive sites may come up. Well, yeah, right, right. Two appears, people are going to be kind of wary. If, there's, they'll, if, they'll, if they bust a lot of these people, they'll publicize the hell out of it to try and scare anybody that, you know, to make it harder for them to sell version 2. But that just steps the bar up, right? Version 2 got to be way way more incognito than Tor. <laughs> I mean, come on. But you know, it's my understanding they didn't get it by breaking Tor at all. That it was no. they got it the guy posted something somewhere. The guy was uh, actually hiring a hitman. So yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. yeah. If you're no, gonna hire a hitman the guy that ran uh, I forget his name, Pirates. The Dread right? Pirate Roberts from that the Princess something Ride. that he posted something on uh I think on Stack Overflow, and they got him that way. I, it it wasn't by by in any way defeating Thor. That's what I heard. Okay, and we're back. Sorry about that, uh, listeners. We had a little technical difficulties. Uh, I guess some some smart guy possibly exploiting VNC in my machine. I got home from work today, and my theme was changed on my computer. And I was like, that's weird. Didn't think anything of it. 
And then just now, while we're doing the show, I see someone minimize my screen, go into properties, and change my theme again. And I'm <laughs> like, whoa. And so, yeah, sorry about that. I think I got it taken care of. I'm glad I don't use this machine to log into anything, because that could have been no bueno. And I'm glad I have everything encrypted that is secret. So, where were we? <laughs> oh, man. That makes me actually want to kill VNC yeah, on all my other... We were ironically talking about Silk Road and... <laughs> Interesting, that, right? So. I need to yeah. kill VNC on my other machine here real quick, just in case. So, hold on. Okay. So, don't buy drugs on Silk Road <laughs> because it's gone and people are getting arrested. Uh, That's the moral of this story. Let's see. Did you guys see this uh, article on digital trends? Microsoft wants to cram Windows Phone into Android. Uh, this article is kind of saying that that's maybe a bad idea. Uh, it says here, Microsoft wants you to buy, use, and presumably love Windows Phone, and it has already gone to considerable lengths and spent billions to persuade you to give it a try. The problem is... Almost none of you are buying it. <laughs> if the latest reports are correct, Microsoft is so desperate to get more people to buy Windows Phone that it's pressuring hardware manufacturers to load it alongside of Android. Uh, supposedly, Microsoft execs are targeting HTC, uh, an obvious choice given its financial troubles, hoping it will load its popular Android handsets with Windows Phone, giving customers the option to use either. Uh, so... You know, they say uh, dual-booting computers have never been that popular, and anyone who has Android has already decided not to use Windows Phone. Uh, at most, this move will confuse new buyers who may accidentally start using their phone in the wrong operating system. Um, does that... That doesn't sound like a hot idea for a yeah, phone, I, right? Yeah, I don't think consumers... I mean, they don't want to dual-boot PCs, much less their mobile devices. I think... <laughs> Microsoft might have a better chance to saying, hey, here's an HTC One with Windows Phone on it, like a variant of that, just rather than try to dual boot. I don't know. You know, they're not, how about this? Does it give you access to both ecosystems? There would be some value there if it did, like you could actually have YouTube. <laughs> That's what strikes me in, in there. You know, the, the, the one element of the app of the Microsoft ecosystem that might be interesting are their games. They've, they've got, on the, uh, coming out of the Xbox brand, they've got some games on their uh, phone platform that might be interesting. But honestly, I can't see this. A dual booting phone, try to explain that to anybody, and they're going to, they're going to laugh at you. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, when I saw this story digitaltrends.com alright it's not really very well sourced it's not clear who's saying this Sure. I, I kind of, the story is pretty sketchy if you want my are you calling, opinion are you calling BS you think? I'm, I'm calling BS possible, until, possible BS yeah I'm kind of siding with that because I mean I think yeah dual booting it's just not it's never been popular <clears throat> I mean, this is a genuinely stupid idea. <laughs> <laughs> Just anyway. <laughs> anyway. And... I hear you. I hear you. Especially on a phone. We thought, um, 
Well, was it the uh, the all in one? I think they had a really nice. Uh, I think it was Asus, right? It was a really yeah. nice Android tablet with a keyboard that would dual boot uh, Windows and Android. And for yeah. that, I can understand, right? You have a keyboard. It has massive power. It's expensive, but you're getting like what four gigs of RAM in Windows yeah. mode, two in Android mode. Like it's it's very uh, it's top of the line hardware. But in a phone, like, what is the point? That's my question. What What's Seriously. the point, right? Yeah. So, nah. yeah. And there's a mar- there's a proven market for convertible tap, you know, convertibles that are notebooks and tablets, and I guess more of a fringe market for computers running two operating systems, you know, like like an ASUS all in one. But just a dual booting like phone, that that's really that's kind of out there, yeah. I like one of the comments says very sad and pathetic on the part of Microsoft. HTC is very vulnerable financially, even though it makes a great phone in the one. Uh, let's hope Google comes to its rescue before it falls prey to Microsoft's Trojan tactics. <laughs> I like it. Trojan yeah. tactics. Uh, so, uh, You know, H- HTC is going to have to sort out its its market share problems. They're They've they've got some very good phones, but they're sure not going anywhere in terms of market share. Right, uh, right. But uh, HTC has got to be smart enough to realize, and in Microsoft, the dual booting phones is is not going to attract people to the Windows Phone ecosystem. Yeah. Well, another another thing is like HTC and Samsung when they've made Windows phones, they've made honestly low to medium end Windows phones. No one makes. There's only one company in the world that makes high-end Windows phones, and that's arguable to some extent because they don't have 1080p screens, at least until now. But Nokia was really the only company in the world making yep. high-end Microsoft phones. So, so let's put it, think of it this way. HTC uh, builds right now the most popular Android phone in the HTC One. What if Microsoft is able to get a version of the HTC One with Windows Phone on it? Immediately, you've got much more appealing hardware to go with you know, less appealing software. So it will balance but it that, out because you but get more. H- HTC sells what is essentially the one. I, I think they call it the HTC 8 or something like that. Yeah, yeah it is 8. a Windows phone. Well, it's the 8X, but I don't recall it quite being on the same level as the HTC one. I know it's got yeah. a, it doesn't have a 1080p screen and it doesn't have boom sound, but I don't remember I, the process. I, I, I think you're right about that. I think it's more like the um, I think it's a Snapdragon. Yeah, yeah, the, I think it's like a Snapdragon S4 Pro or Plus processor on the eight, on the 8X. I'm not sure offhand, but it's it's not quite on the same level as HTC One. But anyways, I, I could see Microsoft make if you know they do make good hardware. Like their Xbox is good hardware. You know their their Surface is good hardware if unpopular. So you know they need to keep working on putting their operating system on good hardware and let that kind of push push it. There's a sort of interesting story that Ver, that The Verge is reporting. And we sort of talked about this last week. Go, the, and this is the, the flip of the last story. Google is building Chrome OS straight into Windows 8. And I've actually got that up and running now. on my. I've got a new Windows 8.1 um, it, uh, uh, desktop uh, sitting in front of me. Tonight, I just installed 8.1 on top of the, the uh, preview edition. And the, the operating system itself is an improvement over 8, 8.0, but 
when you bring it up along with Google Chrome, it installs this application that is really essentially a Google search box and Chrome application launcher. So you can go right to any of the Google Chrome applications that you've configured to appear on your desktop without ever opening the browser. It's really kind of slick. Yeah, I'm looking at screenshots of it. It actually looks just like Chrome OS. That's so. So it is actually Chrome OS, or is it still just a browser as an application? I haven't read the article yet. Let me do it. Let me do a screen share here, or try. Okay. And uh, we're, we're yeah. seeing a black screen at the moment, but we'll wait. I'm okay, now we're seeing it. You see, see that? So here's my here's my desktop, and I've got a couple of a couple of uh, Chrome windows. Now down on the bar here, I have this application, which is a, a Chrome app launcher. I tap that. I've got the search bar up here. I've got settings, and I've got all of these Google Chrome apps like, uh, you know, uh, Google Docs and Google Plus. So I bring up a a instance of Google Chrome in my Chrome app. It's kind of slick. Yeah, that's impressive. That that that's unexpected. I, I would not have predicted that personally, and I've been kind of keeping up with with Chrome OS to some extent. But uh, um, that that's pretty awesome, actually. That that yeah. looks just like uh, Chrome OS. Like I've got a Chromebook back there, the Acer C7, and uh, looks very much like that. Yeah, this is actually something entirely new, at least in my experience, for. Uh, uh, for Chrome on Windows 8. You know, I'll bring up Maps here, for example. Yeah, I'd heard that some, like, I don't want to say widgets, but like mini apps were were being planned to where you essentially launch these Chrome little mini browser windows. Essentially, they may operate as like a calculator or a clock or reminder or some sort of gadget of sorts, you know. And that looks very much like, like what they're doing with that. you got just one little application button kind of like what you see on the Google Start page in, in, in Chrome or for any other browser, but you've actually had that in Windows. That, that's pretty awesome, actually. So, I, I you know, I'm, I don't quite see where Google is going with this, but it's a, you know, uh, it's another, um, uh, another way in which the Windows operating system is less and less relevant if you can sort of avoid their traditional means of launching applications and go directly to your Chrome applications from within Windows. Yeah, okay. well, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of similar. Oh, I'm sorry, go on. Well, it went by so fast. Okay, is, can you do anything through this mechanism that you can't do by just launching Chrome and, and then doing it, the Chrome browser? I, You know, Larry, I, I really haven't found anything yet. So I don't know that I can I don't know that I can answer that question. Well, it's, it's like yeah. if you go to the Google.com website or you're in like Google Plus and you know at the very top you see like an applications button and you can launch like Gmail and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Generally, you don't like in your taskbar have shortcuts to different like Gmail and stuff. Generally, you just have like a shortcut to the browser and then you open the browser and then you open a web you know a web page or whatever. It saves you one degree of in direction, right? One click. Yeah. It's not like it doesn't give you any. That's what I was trying to get at. It's a different user interface with the same capability. Yeah, it's 
it is a different user interface. Let me let me share this again. You, are you seeing that now? No, no. we're seeing a smiling face. <laughs> now you should be seeing it in a second. No, you so, just froze. So something's going on. There so, we go. So, um, you know, this is my new tab for Chrome, and I've got this application window up here, or this application button that brings up the apps that I've configured for Chrome. Now that that functionality has been around for you know a year or more uh, but I can also um, you know close that come down here to the app bar and go say directly to let's say I want to go directly to uh, uh, Google News it's kind of one click and you're there but so it's a faster way of launching it's almost like having a favorites bar or a book or a bookmark bar essentially in your taskbar. Kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, if I were Microsoft, I'd be worried about where Google is going with this functionality. Yeah, that's it, it, as long as it's just a different tweak on the user interface, it's less. But if there's some functionality that comes, then it's uh, that you know, would like, then it would be more interesting to me. Yeah. Well, you know, when Windows came out, you know, obviously when Windows 8 came out, you know, they basically took away the start button and really quickly at least two, like, programmers essentially yeah. created two competitive uh, start buttons, start button replacements where you install it real quick and then now you have your start button again and you click it and you got a start menu again. So this is very similar to that. You have another start menu of sorts, but it's a Google start menu for their apps. Yeah. So. True. Good way to look at it. Mike, you took some classes. Did you guys talk about that yet? No. no Sorry, I had I, to go uh, outside and check the perimeter <laughs> just in case. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you enrolled in a couple of online courses there. What are you doing? I did. I, I, um, I've been taking a couple of, couple of online courses, sort of uh, both at the same time here, and they're really very different experiences. One I've been terming as sort of old school, mm-hmm. and that is – the uh, a, a course offered by Yale Online, and it's a course on the history of the Dark Ages or the early what's these days more properly called the early middle day uh, early Middle Ages, and it's offered as in a traditional 50-minute Yale classroom Yale professor lecture format. Uh, very compelling. I mean, the guy really knows his stuff. He's he's a top person in his field. Um, I think his name is Paul Friedman, and uh, very compellingly presented, as you I guess would expect of a Yale. I mean, I've never attended Yale. What do I know about Yale? <laughs> uh, and the other is a Udacity course. Mike, before you go, is it just? You just watch his lectures. There's no testing and interaction and other stuff built. Yeah, around. exactly. These okay. are these are lectures that were actually delivered uh, probably a couple of years ago. Gotcha. They're on YouTube. There's no interaction. There's no, um, you know, he alludes to reading, uh, and he alludes to handouts that he's given the class, but the, none of that is available to us. Oh wow. <clears throat> 
but it's still very compellingly presented. Is this just Sorry, like watching right. a season or two of The Tudors, or what are we talking here? Oh, I mean, it's it's a very academic bookish. The guy, the talking head, he's he's standing there referring occasionally to notes and talking from a clearly very deep knowledge of this subject. Uh, How would you rank that in comparison with the other uh, MOOCs like Khan Academy? I guess that's the only one I really have uh, experience with, but uh, is it right up there with those? Well, I, I think I think the experience is different. I, I'd honestly say I'm getting more from his presentation just because of the quality of the presentation right. than I am from the 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 other course I'm taking called Tales of the Genome, which is offered by Udacity, and it's offered by a couple of uh, very well credentialed young hipster types. Really, really know their stuff. Hipster geneticists. Hipster geneticists, exactly. And they really know their stuff. They present it well. They use a lot of technology. Uh, They present in short, like, one or two or three-minute segments. And those segments um, uh, play serially one to the next. In the course of an hour's lesson, there might be four or five times where the instruction stops and you're asked to answer a a multiple choice type of question. Right. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Gives you the retention, right? If you're, otherwise you're just kind of sitting and and absorbing, but there's no test to see what you're actually, you know, able to recall. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that's right. Very cool. Uh, So, I mean, it's two different models. Uh, Both free? they're both free. I don't want to take anything away from the 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 younger people who are doing the the tales from the genome because they've put a lot of time and a lot of sort of creative visual presentations and humor and some kind of joking around uh, that are in it. Uh, the the Yale guy. Uh, if he if he says one humorous thing in the course of a 50-minute lecture, that's about it. But they're, uh, it's amazing to see this stuff available online for free for anyone to take yeah, from that's, anywhere in the world. That's definitely awesome. Yeah, yeah. What are you uh, – is, is this part of like a, an overall course – uh, thing that you're taking, or what is is it just for fun, or what are you doing with it? It's for fun. It's my own sort of continuing education uh, for my own personal interest. Sure. The early Middle Ages is a subject I've read a lot about in recent years. It's very interesting. That was my favorite history class uh, back in the day when I was in like eighth grade. We did that, and that whole time, King Henry the Eighth. I mean, like I said, the Showtime show The Tudors was based on that. Like that. That time Fabulous. frame was very interesting, I, I think. Yeah. So This started some years for me. The interest did when I made a trip to, uh, to uh, Istanbul. Ah. And there's a, there's a lot of history there to be seen. So it, it, it's that, and it's uh, the genome is just a I – I really don't under, understand much about genetics. 
the genome, DNA, DNA sequencing. And I want to know more because I think it might tell me something interesting about myself. I'll give you a good recommendation. Matt Ridley uh, wrote the book Genome. Uh, if you're into genetics and stuff, that's uh, that was the first book I ever read about the, the subject. Very interesting. Matt Ridley. Yep, Matt Ridley. I'll uh, check it out. I Thanks, think man. I have that one. It's like 23 cha uh, chapter for each uh, chromosome. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. I think, no, seriously, I think that is. That's well planned out then. <laughs> I don't know. Have have Larry? You teach these courses yeah. and teach them online. No, I don't do any online teaching. Well, you you certainly follow the subject. Here's the, the subject. Yeah. here's the book. Yeah, yeah. There, it but is. it's not that, that it's not that thick. But it's it's very uh, it's a good first book to start because he he writes it. Uh, it's very understandable to the layman if if you have no uh, genomics experience. So. I appreciate the recommendation. I will check it out. For what it's worth, I read it, and I still agree with you, Mike. I don't really understand what's going on with that stuff. I would like to learn more about it. You know, yeah. it's at its at its base that it it develops the idea that as humans we are sort of the sum total of the arrangement of all the chemicals in us. ACTG, right? Adenine, guanine, cytosine, thymine. Yeah. And stuff. that's a really different way of thinking about us. That's it's just information, good. right? Yeah, it's it's a way to it's just a way to code informa information, which is interesting. Uh, let's see, Windows eight point one up and running. Did you guys talk about that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see, HP breaks up with Microsoft, sort of. Meg Whitman, uh, Microsoft is our competitor. Yeah, I think they would uh, contend that Microsoft more broke up with HP than the other way around because HP has been there from, from well, very early on with Windows, you know. Oh, yeah. The earliest they've been around early. So, you know, for, uh, you know that's a, the danger of, like, creating things like Surface tablets and stuff like that. Right. Creating hardware that competes against what you alienate your partners at that point, right? And that was the big thing everyone uh, in the tech community was talking about when – they uh, displayed those at first because some people were like, oh, they're doing what Google does with the Nexus program and they're going to just set a standard. Here's what devices for this year should be like. But Microsoft kind of, I think they overreached a, a little much there. Well, but you didn't think Google overreached with Motorola. No, not at all because they went to great lengths to keep those two separate. You know, the, the Motorola, right? What's that? They own Motorola, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. They, but isn't Google competing with Samsung the same way as Microsoft's competing with HP? I think Motorola is still much more autonomous than the, uh, the other companies as far as uh, being able to to not, you know, they they do their own thing. Google said they're not getting any special treatment, this and that. Who knows? I, my my sense is both. Microsoft and HP see that the the uh, market for uh, traditional computers has not only stalled; mm -hmm. it, is, it is it is falling. Yeah, Huge. and my personal opinion is this is actually a good thing. We need that competition to drive more innovation in the PC industry because, like, I you know I've been a PC guy for really as long as PCs have been out, and it, it's 
to me, it's kind of sad to see them kind of taper off, and I feel the same way in, in that I haven't felt the need for a new PC, but if you you think if these guys can sort of compete more against each other, maybe they can drive a new set of changes to make maybe desktop PCs more interesting, or I don't know. That They are definitely, the PC industry is kind of stalling, but I think there's got to be something done to, to push it back to, to growth again. I think Microsoft Nick, doing this is a good thing, actually. That's because we're in the post-PC era? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's your buzzword for the episode. <laughs> Not me. I'm still in the laptop era. I hate this. You're still using a netbook. Shut up, Larry. <laughs> me too, to be honest. You have uh, a netbook? Let's see. On on Wednesday, yeah. Meg blames some of HP's growth problems on Microsoft and Intel. Uh, quote, HP's traditional highly profitable markets face significant disruption. Wintel devices are being challenged by ARM-based devices. We're seeing profound changes in the competitive landscape. Current partners like Intel and Microsoft are turning from partners to outright competitors so there you go they're competitors in tablets but they're partners in desktop and laptops I mean they're still using Windows right right just they don't have any choice I mean what are they going to do go to Linux I don't think it says uh, Microsoft angered its PC partners like HP by creating its surface family of PCs that compete with them it also loaned Dell $2 billion, or two Instagrams, as part of its deal to go private and just purchased Nokia's device business for seven Instagrams. So, there you go. Maybe HP and Microsoft should go in half seas and buy BlackBerry. Just saying. <laughs> I know several companies have been in talks, ironically, you know, uh-huh. about possibly... <laughs> Taking, well, they're investigating. Yeah, they're investigating that. So we'll see how that goes. Possibly yeah. taking old Yeller out to the barn, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Pretty much. Yep, yep. Uh, let's see, Larry. Uh, before we get out of here, tell us about these new Chromebooks. You're gonna get one for me for my birthday on October 22nd. You gonna get yourself one too? Maybe. It's tempting. Um, you know, there's. I think I went to Wikipedia. There's seven of them that are. Uh, that have been announced for the next this month and next. The thing that got me tripped on it was I, I was talking on a uh, Google Plus post about the inability of my little laptop to uh, cast tabs on uh, to a Chromecast. Right. And somebody pointed out that he has no problem doing it with an old Samsung uh, two-core i5 Samsung ta- uh, Chromebook. And... You know, if I could, if I get one of these Chromebooks, and I can do tab casting, and I can, I can see using that both in the office and the den, and that, I think in it, I would start using Google uh, Drive a lot more. Yeah, I will. It would be a handy thing to have, I think. Yeah. Now, are you talking about like the? Uh, the you're talking about the 11-inch uh, Chromebook that just got announced by HP. That one. Well, they have. That's one, but it, I, I checked with. Uh, I went to Wikipedia, and they say there are 11 in the pipeline for October and November, one of which is that, that there are 11 of them, uh, you know. Yeah, I was going to say... There are others. Yeah, I was going to say, particularly with uh, that, uh, the new HP Chromebook that came out, the 11-inch, mm-hmm. the um, it's based on 
the uh, basically the Nexus 10 hardware and the the Samsung Chromebook from last year, which is the Ex Exynos uh, 5520, I believe. I could be wrong, but it's, it's a good processor. Two gigs of RAM, but from all the benchmarks that I've looked at, it's a little slower than like my Asus C7 uh, Chromebook, which is one of the ones they basically indicated couldn't do tab casting. So what I'd recommend is instead of going for whatever, like if that function is important to you, instead of going for an Exynos-based processor, you know, Chromebook, go for one with the actual Intel yeah. i5 one. And uh, the HP does offer a 14-inch Chromebook, but I don't remember the stats. But definitely, yeah, keep an eye out for more powerful Chromebooks in the future to do that. Yeah, and no, I think there's a, several of them are going to be Haswell. Uh, yeah, I, I, it just seems like it's about time. Yeah, Haswell is the way to go, in my opinion. If I, my next Chromebook would have to be at, at a minimum a, a Haswell, because I've got a seller on essentially with two gigs of RAM that I upgraded to four gigs and I put in an SSD, but in my opinion, that isn't quite powerful enough to do the tab casting. Well, Although then, I could actually do it, I could only do it with 480p, and the instant I tried playing video, it basically did, well, sort of detached. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, the one, the guy that uh, that talked to me around that Google Plus post was using a, a Celeron-based Samsung, as I recall, uh, two-core, I think. Yeah, that's that's the Chromebook. That's the 550, and it's I think a little bit faster than this one. It's yeah, 550. Instead of a, exactly yeah, right. instead of a 1.3 gigahertz, I think it's 1.5 gigahertz. Instead of yeah. selling on 847 and maybe 867, but yeah. So I was just using Chromecasting as a as or Tabcasting as a benchmark, and he said, hey, it does it fine. But I didn't ask him what it what uh, you know what revs if it's 760 or what. <clears throat> yeah, it'll uh, it looks exactly like it, but yeah, the 480p I had no problem tab casting. 720p was okay tab casting, but I had one to two second delay. Uh, so, but it worked just fine in telecast video. You know, the the thing though that I think would matter most to me, well, that would it should be fast enough to tab cast, let's say, as a benchmark. But have a decent keyboard and a good screen and everything. The, the keyboard, especially, uh, something that yeah. I type on quickly. Yeah. It's hard to find those things with like a decent keyboard. Yeah, that's why you you have to touch it. You can't buy it from specs. I think you have to actually go touch it somewhere. Yeah, same with phones. Like you, you really have to go in and handle it and see how it feels in your in your hand and everything. So, all right. All right. Uh, I hope you make the purchase, Larry, and uh, report back. I will. Yeah, I will. absolutely. Anything else we want to cover before we wrap this up? I think that was everything in the rundown. Um, I, I put up one. It's kind of a cool map to see if this surprises you guys. Oh, nice! That map I put. Yeah, I just saw that. Let me uh, screen Oxford share. University, and it's 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 two dimensions. It's one that shows uh, in each nation what is the most popular, single most popular uh, website, and then the the size of the nations are kind of distorted. That reflects the number of nations, and you can see that. Uh, that you know, it's no surprise. Like China, it's Baidu, and it's not Google, it's not Facebook, it's not Yahoo or any of those guys. But the thing that surprised me is Korea. The leading website in Korea is Baidu. What's with that, you guys? Yeah, that that's their sense. own. That's their own search engine. That's but the Chinese Korea, sponsorship. Why, but why Korea? 
That's a good question. Is it uh, which? Well, which Korea, North or South Korea? I assume that it's got to be South because it's. If you look at the map, it's way big. There's probably about five internet users in North Korea. <laughs> you know. Fair enough. <laughs> My guess is it's South. But yeah, you're right. They light up the whole Korean Peninsula as green. So they got North Korea, which is one pixel, and, and then all the rest of that is South Korea. But um, that surprised me that Baidu is the most popular destination in uh, Korea. But it also points out what a bunch of isolationist China is. It sure does, doesn't it? Yeah. Big green blob. Isolation, that's the name of the game in this trust-no-one kind of post-prism NSA world. <laughs> yeah. And you have Russia on Something called Yen. Yeah, Russia's, they've got their own thing too. Yeah, I noticed that. I've never even heard. Not many users. Not many users, and and uh, but they but their own thing. And who knew that uh, that Yahoo was big in Japan? Yeah, that that was a surprise. <laughs> yeah, that nice. was a surprise to me too. And Japan, look how big it is. There's a lot of internet users in Japan too. Yeah, probably two for every person. <laughs> <laughs> so also, uh, email the crew at yet another dot com if you are familiar with any VNC exploits. <laughs> I'm uh, going to be doing a little research here, checking some log files, and we'll see what's what. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. My oh crap <laughs> face uh, as I noticed my computer being taken over. So thank you for bearing with us. Uh, Larry Press, Mike Rothman, Nick Carroll, I'm Matt Lee. This is Yats, Yet Another Tech Show. Check us out every week, Wednesday evenings, if you want to catch a live show. If not, just make sure you're subscribed to the feed, and when the new episodes go out, you can listen to them. Uh, I prefer BeyondPod on an Android device. Uh, we're on Stitcher, Smart Radio, which now they updated the app. It has offline uh, caching capability, so no longer does it just stream. Uh, but you can download episodes as well. Uh, you can check out all the show notes, pictures, links to all the articles that we've discussed this evening at yetanothertechshow.com uh, for the episode. This was number 73. So uh, subscribe in iTunes if you're an Apple user and give us a rating and a review. We always appreciate that. Uh, and mostly, I mean, we have Facebook page, Twitter account, of course, but mostly you can catch all of us on the Google Plus community for Yats. Just search Yet Another Tech Show or Yats. So... Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Peace out. Another Tech Show. Check us out online at yetanothertechshow.com.